0: Welcome to Nika in the Know, a podcast for healthcare providers in the HIV field. I'm Mariana Brateman. Today, we're sitting down with John Farragon to talk about an update to the National Institutes of Health or NIH guidelines regarding COVID 19 that came about in July 2021. Welcome, John.
1: Hey, Mariana. Thanks again for having me to talk about some important changes here.
0: So, John, let's just dive straight in. Tell us about, you know, what were these changes, and you know how they came about.
1: Yeah, thanks uh, so much, Mariana. So, um, for those of you who don't know, I mean, I think I think a lot of people are aware. If you're treating patients with COVID, there's uh, NIH guidelines which are which are very well done. Um, and today, we'll we'll talk about those changes. Um, so, there was an update uh, early in July, July eighth, actually, uh, 2021. And the major revisions to the guidelines um, w- within the last few months are as follows. So this is kind of almost like a uh, kind of a top line uh, overview of some of the changes. So what they did is they kind of broke out into new sections of the guidelines. They, they now have a section for uh, the general management and therapeutic management of non-hospitalized patients. And then they also have outpatient management of co- acute COVID-19, um, is is, um, is also um, uh, which has been there for a long period of time basically since the very beginning they really divide this into two sections one of them is basically for hospitalized um, with acute covid-19 and then there's then there's therapeutic management of non-hospitalized adults with with uh, with covid-19 so basically they 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 basically try to cut out the, the hospitalized and the non-hospitalized patients into two two different two different sections um, so there's a new figure that really has been uh, created that that talks about the therapeutic management of of patients to provide some guidance for for the use of the monoclonal antibodies, and that's been, I think, really an important part of the outpatient management for people who are not hospitalized. So, for those of you who don't know, like if you come in and you're and you're sick and you don't really require hospitalization and it's early on, a lot of institutions are using these monoclonal antibodies um, for treatment on the outpatient side for um, for for COVID nineteen. Um, a couple other things, there was a uh, um, uh, nidazoxanide, which you know, we don't really use that much, but this section really was added to discuss the evidence and considerations for using nidazoxanide as an antiviral drug for the treatment um, uh, for COVID-19. And at this point, the panel does not recommend, they recommend against the use of, of nidazoxanide for the treatment of COVID-19, except in, in a setting of a clinical trial. So, what I like about these guidelines is that they'll, they'll tell you the, the, basically the, what I call the skinny, right? The, the short and sweet version of, of what you should and shouldn't be offering to patients. And they'll often say, well, if there's no data, they often will say that this is not, not recommended. So until there's adequate data for some of these uh, interventions, the, the guidelines are very good about following their evidence-based uh, rules for, for, for recommendations.
0: What about hospitalized adults with COVID-19? Have things stayed the same for them in terms of treatment?
1: Yeah, so this is, this is, these are some key updates to the guidelines for some of the hospitalized uh, patients. Um, the section um, uh, that, that contains this information has been updated to incorporate some of the new recommendations um, and rationale for when to use the baricitinib. In combination with dexamethasone in certain hospitalized patients, so there's some changes there, um, and also I think the um, the the big one I think for people to be aware of is. Um, There's a result from this study called the COVE barrier trial, and this really showed that the combination of baricitinib with tocilusimab did not do as well. So for those of you who may be aware of these drugs, baricitinib has been used uh, commonly in combination with dexamethasone, but I think there are places where they want to use baricitinib with tocilusimab in some of the more more sick patients with COVID-19. But this COVE barrier trial really showed that that's probably not the best thing to do. So the patients who got baricitinib in combination with tocilucimab did not do as well. So that's really um, the most important piece of, I think, of the changes. So tocilucimab, again, is one of those uh, immune modulators that we sometimes use for for people who have really are really deteriorating really rapidly and, and have um, have some uh, really serious vital changes. And, and, and tocilucimab is something we sometimes use in our intensive care unit and I'm sure other places across the country. Um, the other thing that's also out there is the use of what we call GM-CSF, so granulocyte macrophage colony-stimulating uh, factor inhibitors. So GM-CSF, there's a section that's been added to the, to address the use of GM-CSF um, as immune modulators for the treatment of COVID-19. And really, there's basically two randomized placebo-controlled trials, which, which um, looked at um, otilimab and lensilumab. Uh, and there's a small randomized uh, placebo-controlled trial of MAVR- Mab. so that's a real, that's a real tongue twister, um, Mavrilimumab. So again, try to say that a hundred times, right? So the panel has really determined that there's insufficient evidence to really recommend any of these Um, for or against these these inhibitors for the treatment of hospitalized patients with COVID-19. I think more to come on that. We'll have to see how these studies come. um, When when the more results of these studies come out, we'll have to see what that changes. But right now, those are not recommended for or against for the treatment of COVID-19.
0: What about the guidelines for adults who contract the virus but haven't been hospitalized?
1: Yeah. So this is the, the, the unhospitalized patients is really kind of the, you know, I think the big question, like, what do you do with those patients? And, and, you know, the really uh, new clinical data from multiple clinical trials has, has really recommended against the use of um, chloroquine, hydroxychloroquine uh, and azithromycin um, in non-hospitalized patients. And there's a recommended uh, recommendation regarding azithromycin monotherapy has been added as well. But Um, Really, these agents shouldn't be used for non-hospitalized patients. Another thing that's out there is there's a recovery study, which is a large NIH. It's unpublished, but um, evaluated the role of colchicine, uh, which is a drug that we use for gout, actually, uh, in patients hospitalized with COVID-19. And the study really showed no difference in 28-day all-cause mortality between those patients that received colchicine and those who got usual care. So based on these results, the panel has updated its recommendation to say, really recommending against the use of colchicine for the treatment of, of hospitalized patients with COVID-19. So that's relatively new as well. That kind of looks at the patients who were, who were unhospitalized uh, and, and some of those, some of those options that really are not recommended right now for, 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 uh, for those patients with COVID-19.
0: John, I know that one of the big uncertainties at the height of the pandemic was safe COVID-19 treatment for pregnant individuals. Has there been any new information on that front?
1: Yes. Yeah, so there are some ongoing epidemiologic studies that are evaluating some of this information um, and really... The therapeutic management of COVID-19 should be no different for pregnant patients versus non-pregnant patients. And I think over time that may change right now. That's the current mantra, right? The current state of, state of the art. Um, developing a treatment plan obviously should involve some of the shared decision-making between the patient and the clinical team. You know, if somebody's not that sick, maybe they won't, maybe they shouldn't be on meds, you know, just start making those decisions, uh, you know, I think are really uh, a team approach, but it really has to involve the patient and, and, um, and the clinical team who's managing the uh, the COVID nineteen also you have to think about the severity of the maternal disease and the safety of the medications. Obviously, these are all big uh, big issues, and also you know for the pregnant individual, but also the fetus. I think breastfeeding feeding in the setting of COVID nineteen is not contraindicated. So again, that decision around breastfeeding uh, while the patient is receiving drugs, I think, is addressed as well in the guidelines and updates to this whole section also includes some of the safety data on the use of the COVID-19 vaccines during pregnancy. And there has been some of that data that's come out recently in the last couple of months. So that's in the guidelines as well. and i ensure you to you to take a look at that as well.
0: Are there any final updates before we begin to wrap up?
1: Yeah, I think finally, the, you know, the, um, there was uh, an overview of COVID-19 and talking about some of the updated information on the variants of concern and variants of interest. Again, we we've talked about that in some of our previous podcasts. Um, and also the prevention and prophylaxis of SARS-CoV-2 infection. There's some um, there's some information, additional information on some of the vaccine-related adverse events, and then also a section on uh, on hemodynamics and update on the rationale for using uh, norepi as the vasopressor of choice uh, versus other other vasopressors. And again, that gets really kind of uh, into the clinical nitty-gritty of you know using different pressors for patients who who have blood pressure bottoms out if you're if they're in the ICU, for example. And then there's a section on, on ivermectin that's also been added. So again, um, the, this is more of a top line, right, Mariana? Just kind of a, a brief overview of what's in the guidelines, what's been changed. But I encourage you to take a look at the guidelines. There's a lot of good charts. There's a lot of good diagrams, which kind of help you decide you know, what you should use for patients. And I encourage you to take a look at those guidelines. They are evidence-based and they're updated on a regular basis. In fact, you know, the way I keep updated on them um, there's a way for you to sign up for an email every time these guidelines change. If you go on the guideline website, you can put in your email address and and it'll, it'll subscribe you to uh, any updates that occur. So every time we get them, we always take a quick look to make sure there's 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 not a change. One thing I'll just say really quick: um, just one little change. There was a it was a dosing change in the Regeneron combination. It was 1200 and 1200 of um uh, of plus and Deveomab, and now it's actually 600 and 600. So those dosing uh, numbers have changed, and we actually had to change our protocol as a result. So, you know, really encourage you to take a look at, at the guidelines when they do, when they are updated, because they really are helpful. And again, um, they are evidence-based. There's really a lot of great leaders across the country in the ID field that are, that are on those guidelines.
0: John, thank you so much for joining us today and walking us through the latest information and guidelines regarding the COVID-19 pandemic. We really hope you learned something new today. To learn more about NECA AETC's work and our role in ending the HIV epidemic, visit us at www.nicaaetc.org. That's www.necaaetc.org. If you have questions or comments about anything we covered today, or if you have suggestions for topics you'd like to hear us talk about, don't hesitate to email us at podcast at Nika That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at dot We'll be taking a brief hiatus for the rest of summer. So stay safe and we'll see you in the fall for our next episode of Nika in the Know.